As we continue our series, Questions Jesus Asked, I've got one for you. How did your blindfold experience go? Were you able to complete the task that your guide gave you? Or let me ask you this one. Could you even trust your partner, your guide? Did they take you to the place that you were supposed to go and and do it well? Well, today we're going to compare your experience with Peter's experience in Matthew chapter 14. While I've got your attention, let me ask you one more question. Do you ever have any doubts? Well, of course you do. We all do. We all have doubts. Sometimes we doubt God, whether he cares about us or is going to be there for us, or that he even, maybe even that he exists. Sometimes we doubt people. We doubt whether they're truly our friends or whether they love us or whether they're going to be there for us. We also sometimes doubt our future. Because of the past, we we doubt what could the future possibly hold and, and not have a clear idea of what tomorrow looks like. Also, this idea of security. We doubt security. What does it even mean to find security in the world that we live in? And especially in a season of life like now, we have doubts. It's natural. Doubts are normal. It's a matter of what we do with our doubts that is what matters. And so there's sometimes that when we doubt and we, we drive deep into, we dig deep into, we kind of, we sit on our doubts. And when we do that, that drives us to this place of fearfulness. It also drives us to a place of anxiety and to a place of depression. If we sit in our doubts and drive into them and, and, and focus on the doubts, it drives us to a negative place, a non-life-giving place. So it matters what we do with our doubts. What our doubts should do is, in a healthy way, in a life-giving way, should drive us to seek answers, should drive us to ask questions, should drive us to seek a deeper understanding. What I want you to get this morning is we have doubts, and doubts are a normal part of life, and that if we use the doubt to drive us to seek answers and to drive us to to seek a deeper understanding, then you will understand and know this. Doubt is not the opposite of faith. As a matter of fact, this doubt drives us deeper into understanding and asking questions about our faith and the one that we have faith in, the person of Jesus. So as we think about this idea of doubt, Let's look at the story of some of the disciples of Jesus in Matthew chapter 14. And here in Matthew chapter 14, Jesus' disciples had some doubts about who Jesus was and and the experience that they're about to have with him. Well, some of the background of our story in Matthew chapter 14, we're going to be looking at verses 24 and following. But right before those verses, Jesus has just fed the 5,000. And so if you know anything about that story, that's a a miraculous story of where a little boy brought a basket with five loaves and two fish, and he fed over 5,000 men, not including the women and children that were there. And so the disciples had just experienced this miracle with Jesus, and after they had experienced that miracle, Jesus sent the disciples off and said, hey, go get in the boat and begin the journey to the next city, and I I will meet you there in the next day or two. And after Jesus had dismissed the crowds, he went up further up into the mountains. And when he was up in the mountains, he just spent some alone time. So here's the scene of Matthew chapter 14, 
the passage that we're about to read in verse 24 is Jesus' disciples have begun their journey across. They've gotten their boat, and it's a big boat where all of them can fit in, and they're sailing across, and it's a journey across the sea that should usually take them about an hour. But we're about to see that that journey took them a little bit longer than normal. And so while they've begun their journey, Jesus is up at the top of the mountaintop. And this would have been about 6 o'clock. As the sun begins to get down, they would have begun their journey across the sea. Usually the seas would have been quiet and would have been still, and so it would have been a great time to go across. And Jesus was up at the top of the mountain in the dark and, and having a time alone with him and the Father just praying. Well, in the midst of all of this, verse 22 is where our story begins. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land. Now, that, that word far away literally is stadiums, that they were stadiums away. And if you were to calculate that out, it's about two to three miles away from land. So they're, they're not close to land. They, they're out in the middle of the sea, and they're not close. So they're far away, and then it says, For a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. Now, some of your translations, instead of heavy waves, it'll say that they were tormented or that they were buffeted by the waves. What it means is this, is that it was a crazy storm. And the boat is rocking, there's lightning, there's thunder, and it would uh, make anybody terrified. And so here the disciples are. They think they're going to have this easy ride across the sea. And a storm comes up, and it begins to rock the boat back and forth, and they're terrified. They're a little scared and afraid of what's going to happen. Well, Jesus, as we know, was up on the mountaintop and he was praying. And in the midst of this, he's able to see what's happening. And about three o'clock in the morning, so these guys have been going across the sea now for about nine hours. What should have been a one hour tour is now a nine hour tour. And they were struggling to get across. It tells us that this, this idea of struggling and doing with everything in their might and within their knowledge to get across the sea faster. But basically the wind is pushing them back and they're fighting against the wind. So at 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came forward and he begins to walk on water. Here's what the first thing that I want you to get is this. We cannot go anywhere that God is not. Listen, in the storms of life, God is there. Look back at that first part of verse 24. Meanwhile, the disciples. So I want you to take that disciples and I want you to underline it. And I want to put, want you to put your name. So put Chris or whatever your name is. So meanwhile, my name, Chris, was in trouble far away from land. And the storms of life. And what's your storm? Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's relationships whatever it may be, and to realize that in the midst of your storm, Jesus is watching out for you. God is not anywhere that we aren't as well. God is present. In Matthew 28, 20, Jesus says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In one of my favorite verses in Romans chapter 8, verse 38, Paul tells us that I'm convinced. It's a strong word of, of, of conviction. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. We cannot go anywhere God is not. 
that even in the deepest, darkest, scariest storms of life, Jesus is present and watching over us. Look at verse 26. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. And I imagine you would have been too. They, and it tells us, in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. Or literally, it's a deception. And so they saw this thing walking toward them. It was unexpected. And they see Jesus walking and they cry out, it's a ghost. And so in the midst of their being terrified and their fear, Jesus speaks to them at once. And what I want you to grasp is this, is that Jesus immediately responds to their fear and the thoughts of that they were being deceived. And he says these comforting words and these words of assurance and peace to them. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. As we've talked about over the last few weeks in these, this series of questions Jesus asked, this is a phrase that continually comes up in response to the questions. And here these disciples are terrified and they're afraid and, and they're concerned about the storms of life and the storm that they're in and, and what could possibly happen. And they see something unexpected coming to them in the middle of the storm. And Jesus immediately responds and says, I am here. There's two things I want us to grasp out of this. Is One is that physical presence matters. Now listen, in the midst of this COVID-19 season that we're in, I think most of us have recognized that maybe more than we ever thought we would, is that we enjoy physically being present with people. That it means something when someone reaches out and puts their arm on our shoulder or someone hugs us or to even just physically be present in the room with someone. When you're in the hospital and someone shows up and is physically present or when you're having a birthday party and people show up, there's something powerful and that says something even more than words when someone is physically present with you. The second thing that I want you to grasp is this, is that when Jesus says, take courage, I am here, he was again declaring what he's declared over the last few weeks is that he is Yahweh. He was recalling back to that moment when Moses was having an encounter with God and, and God spoke to him and God said, my personal name is Yahweh, I am. So here in this moment, Jesus speaks words of affirmation and confirmation of peace and assurance that in the midst of life's storms, the I am is here. So in the midst of this, Peter then calls out to him, Lord. Now, some of your versions will say, if it's really you or if it is you. But the better translation is, since it is you. So, Jesus, Lord, since it is you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Now, here Peter in this verse acknowledges that it was Jesus. And so, in that moment, he's, he's offering up a moment of faith. He acknowledges that it's Jesus. He hears his voice. He recognizes his voice and he responds and says, Jesus, I want to, I want to follow you. And the other part of this in that moment of not only is he acknowledging Jesus, but he's saying to Jesus in, a, in an expression of faith is, Jesus, I want to mimic you. Jesus, Lord, I see you walking on water and I want to walk on water like you are. And so Jesus doesn't just want us to regurgitate the facts, but he wants us to step out of the boat in faith and live in his power. 
This is the big part of faith that I want you to grasp is this, is that Jesus doesn't just want us to grasp the facts and to, and to know the intellectual things, but he teaches his disciples over and over and over again. It's not enough to just mimic me with my words and my stories, but I want you to mimic me in the authority and the authenticity of my faith. And therefore, if you do that, then you can do things, even move mountains, with the faith of a mustard seed. Jesus asks and tells us the same thing, is that if we would just step out of the boat, when we recognize that he's there, even in the midst of the storm, that if we would just step out of the boat, that he would allow us to walk on water with him, even in the midst of the darkest and scariest of storms of life. So here's what Jesus said. Come on. Literally a command. Come. Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat, and what does he do? He walked on water toward Jesus. The interesting thing is that Peter acknowledged uh, that Jesus was who he said he was in that moment. He said, hey, it's Jesus. I hear his voice, and he's walking on water, and I want to I want to mimic him. And so Peter steps out of the boat, and he's looking at Jesus and begins walking toward him. Peter trusted Jesus' words and his voice. He trusted that he was the I am. And so that gave him the confidence, that gave him the trust and the faith to step out of the the boat and begin to make the walk. And he walked on water. No one else but Jesus and Peter has walked on water. Peter had the faith, the blind faith, to step out and to know, hey, this is Jesus and I want to be like him. And so he began to walk on water. So, so many people have discounted what Peter has done. But listen, no one else got out of the boat. No one else even acknowledged who Jesus was. Peter stood up and said, Jesus, since it's you, I want to get out of the boat and walk on water just like you. And Jesus said, well, come on. Jesus says that to us as well. Listen, there's going to be storms of life. And there's times that Jesus is there's calls us to do some things that maybe we don't even think are possible. But if Jesus says, come, step out of the boat and you will experience some of the most life altering, life changing experiences that you can possibly have. But when he saw the strong wind, now this is Peter, but when he saw the strong wind and the waves, so he at first, whenever he got out of the boat, his eyes were focused on Jesus. But in the midst of walking, he felt the wind and I'm sure he felt the water splashing up on him. And so he became distracted by his circumstances and his situation. And in that moment of losing focus upon Jesus and becoming distracted by his situation and his circumstances, he lost trust and faith. All this was based upon his eyesight and what his ability to see Jesus. And so in that moment, he began to lose trust and he was distracted. And so in that moment when he lost trust, it says, tells us that he was terrified and he began to sink. And in that moment of that sinking feeling of literally beginning to drown, he cries out, Save me, Lord! He shouted out. Now listen, he was doing fine. And there's all that moment that he moved his eyes away from looking at Jesus. I'm walking on water, but I feel the wind and the waves. Have you ever been there? I think about having camp experiences or having mission trip experiences, and, and, you, and you do something and you stretch your faith. You step out of the boat, and you do something radical that maybe you would never do before. And in that, you sense 
the power of what it means to live and the power and the authoritativeness of, of stepping out in faith and mimicking the faith of Jesus. And in that moment, you're like, it can't get any better than this. Sometimes we call it a mountaintop experience. But then immediately we get back home and after a day or two or a week, the circumstances and the situations of life, we begin to feel the wind, we begin to feel the waves, and we move away from, we're distracted by what had happened on a camp, what had happened at retreat, what had happened on a mission trip. And so then we're distracted by it and we lose focus and we lose trust that Jesus is who we said he is. And even in the storms of life. And we've walked on water. We've had a deep experience with Jesus, but how quickly the waves and the winds distract us. When we lose sight of the truth and focus on how our circumstances make us feel, we will sink. Let me say that again. When we lose sight of the truth, and the truth is Jesus, and focus on how our circumstances, we feel the wind, we feel the waves, when we focus on how those circumstances make us feel, we will sink. We cannot walk on water in our own strength. The only way that we can walk on water and step out of the boat is that our eyes, that we follow the command of Jesus, and our eyes are focused on him, that we can walk through things and through situations and circumstances of life that we would never have thought possible. But the moment that those situations and circumstances begin to distract us, the feelings and the emotions that come, that distracts us from the truth, and that is the person of Jesus. We will begin to sink because we're trying to live life in our own power and our own strength and our own wisdom and our own logic. And listen, walking on water doesn't make any sense. But if God's called you to do it, it's the safest place. It's the safest thing for you to do. Jesus, after Peter cried out, Lord, save me, Jesus immediately reaches out and grabs him. And when he grabs him, he says, you have so little faith. Now, not no faith or not any faith at all, but a faith that's ineffective. And then he says, why do you doubt me? So his faith allowed him to acknowledge Jesus and, and even request, hey, Jesus, I want to mimic you. And so kind of like this idea of a burst of energy that he immediately heard Jesus and he's excited. And so he steps out and, and it begins to move him. It motivates him. But his faith is not effective enough to sustain him. That the feelings of his search, of his circumstances and his situation distracts him. And so he's not able to sustain his faith and continue to walk on water toward Jesus. Well, Jesus immediately reached out and, and he grabbed him and he said to him, you're so little faith. He says, why do you doubt me? Well, this idea of doubt is, is one that is moving in two different directions. That literally that you're moving in this direction and then all of a sudden doubt creeps up and you begin to move in that direction because you don't know if you can fully trust or have full faith in this one. And so in that moment here, Peter is walking on water and the feelings of the wind and the feeling of the waves begins to make him not trust what's actually happening. Because listen, Peter is a, a fisherman and he understands what can happen in a storm. He's probably lost friends and family in storms just like this. And so it didn't logically make sense that he's able to walk on water. And so as he's 
in the midst of his excitement, all of a sudden realizes what's happening. He loses his focus and his trust in the person of Jesus, and he's distracted by the situation and circumstances, and he begins to sink because he's lost track of his faith. It's become ineffective in that moment. This effective faith that, that Jesus is asking and talking to Peter about is one that grows out of a prolonged relationship with Jesus. It allows us to develop trust in God. And, and, and this God that as you develop this relationship with Jesus over time, and as you re- develop this relationship with God over time, it allows us to remember that the same God that, that we're walking on water with or trying to walk on water with is the one that opened up the seas and allowed his people to enter into the promised land. It's the same God that closed a lion's mouth. It's the same God that opened a whale's mouth to bring Jonah to Nineveh. It's the same God that defeated giants. And it's the same God that calmed the storms. It takes a prolonged relationship with Jesus to develop this effective faith that Jesus is talking about. Now, in the midst of this, we may think that Jesus is, is kind of getting on to Peter. But in reality, what he's saying is, is Peter, I love you. I, I, I think I'm excited that you were able to express and acknowledge your, your desire to follow after me and you wanted to mimic me and, and not just tell stories about me, but that you actually wanted to live out the faith that I've been showing you that's possible. But Peter, there's some more things free to learn because there's more storms to come. I don't know about you, but I've lived long enough to know that I've had more than one storm. As a matter of fact, I've had more storms in my life than I can count on all my little fingers and even on all my toes. Life is really moving from one storm to the next. And it does seem like some storms are bigger than others, but it's important for us to understand that Jesus is with us in all those storms. And in each storm is preparing us for the next season of life. Here's an interesting thing in in verse 32. When Peter and Jesus stepped back into the boat, the wind stopped. Immediately the wind stopped. The storm was over. Again, because Jesus had a purpose and a reason. It also shows us that Jesus is God. He is the I Am and He controls even the storms. In that moment, here's the only response that could possibly happen, is that the disciples worshipped him. And they declared, you really are the Son of God. The same happens or should happen for us. And those moments when we realize that the storms of life have been calmed and that Jesus has, has brought calmness to that storm, that the only response that we could really have is one of worship. God calmed the storm and worship broke out. Here's the thing that we learn over time is we have this prolonged relationship with Jesus and this prolonged relationship with God is that storms serve a purpose. They help us grow. They help us mature. They help us trust in the one who's always present in the storms. Take a moment, take a look, moment and look at Acts chapter 4 verse 13. As we kind of, before you get there and while you're turning there, let me tell you a little bit about what's happening. This is after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and the church, the New Testament church, has begun. And, and Peter and the disciples have preached their first sermon, and thousands of people have said yes to Jesus and have been baptized. And upon all this and all the excitement and enthusiasm and things happening, the, the Jewish leaders brought in Peter and they brought in John before the court. 
And so Peter and John knew that this was a life or death situation that they were in. And um, so here they are before the court, and they're asked some questions. And here's what happens. Here's the attitude of the court toward Peter and John. They ask him this question. By whose authority do you do these things? And that's all of the miracles that had been taking place. And they told them. And so here's the response of the court. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. Now let's be honest. That's, that's us, isn't it? That we're just regular, ordinary people who love Jesus, who love his word and are studying it and trying to grow in it. They recognized these men as men who had been with Jesus. That's the key. That's the key to an effective faith, is a prolonged relationship with Jesus. Spending time with them, that these guys, Peter and John, could stand before the court and pronounce with confidence who Jesus was and pronounce that the things that they were doing were because of their faith in Jesus and that miracles were happening, not because of them, but because of the person that they had faith in, Jesus. And because of that, these guys were able to, to look at them and say, listen, we know, we can recognize you're not, there's nothing special about you, except you've spent a long time in the presence of Jesus. That should be true of us. If we want to have the faith that Peter had to even proclaim out Jesus, if that's if since that's you, well, you allow me to step out of the boat. If you want even that type of faith, that happens from spending time with Jesus. Peter had grown in his faith and he'd spent time with Jesus and, and he was mimicking him. And the same can happen for us. My question for you this morning is, what's your storm? The disciples were in the middle of the sea and they were tossed by the winds and the waves. What's your storm? Just put it like this. Just write it out. I'm in the middle of blank, tossed by blank. I'm in the middle of this storm, tossed by this wave. Maybe your storm right now is COVID-19. And you're tossed around by fear and confusion and anxiety. Or maybe you're in the middle of the storm of debt and you're being tossed around by debt collectors. Or maybe you're in the middle of the storm of addiction and you're tossed around by hopelessness. Or maybe you're in the middle of the storm of bad relationships and you're tossed around by loneliness. What is your storm? Well, here's what I want you to know. Is that in the midst of the storm, know Jesus is there. He's always there with us. He's always watching. He's always walking. And he's with us even in the storms. Here's something else that you can know is that you can walk on water. Peter walked on water. He stepped out of the boat and Jesus said, come, and you can do the same thing as well. Also know this is that Jesus will immediately rescue. And that moment when you think that you're about to drown and you can't do it in your own power and your own strength anymore, and you can't, and we cry out, immediately Jesus is there to rescue us. Then also know this is that he will calm the storm. The storm won't last forever. I know that sometimes it feels like it does, that it's more than a day or a week or maybe even a year or so. But even in the midst of that storm, when it's appropriate and exact timing, 
Jesus will calm the storm. And then finally, there's a future reason for the storm that you're currently in or even the storms that you've been in. God is preparing our hearts and building our faith up so that we can trust the one who crossed the sea and trust the one who opened the lion's mouth, that we can know that we can trust that same God from the past today. So, keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes focused on him. Keep getting out of the boat. Keep jumping out in bursts of energy and walking toward Jesus. And know this, is that Jesus' power is sufficient even when our faith is not. It's our faith in Him and His ability to, to His power in His, His power is what gets us out of the boat and keep walking. My prayer for you is that you will today begin to surrender your storm and that you'll get out of the boat. Will you pray with me? Dear Jesus, I pray for this group. Father, that you would open up our eyes to the storms that we're in. That we would recognize that you haven't left us, you haven't forsaken us, and that you are in the storms with us. Father, I pray that we would have a desire to mimic you and to get out of the boat and to walk. And that, Father, there are going to be times, just like Peter, where we're going to begin to sink because our circumstances and our situations scare us and we lose our focus on you. But, Father, even in that moment of sinking, we cry out and you're there to rescue us. That all of these seasons and all of these storms are to grow us and to mature us so that one day people will be able to look at us and say, I can tell that they've been in the presence of Jesus. May that be our prayer. May it be that our lifelong desire is to be known as someone who's been in the presence of Jesus. It's in your son's name that I pray. Amen.